0: Say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the Orange Record books with his fifth touchdown of the game.
1: All across CNY. Kick
0: the tires and light
1: the fires, big day. It's the 3 1 5.
0: Hardy faking feats the great Davis and does He
2: scores! Woo! Here's Brian Higgins.
0: Here I am. And welcome in. That's it's funny, I, this Powerball, everyone got a Powerball ticket, I just saw that there's one winner for the Powerball. I don't know how this is possible, I'm certain I have the winning ticket at home on my fridge, but they say it was sold in California yesterday. I don't remember going out there. But anyway, today's the last day of the show, I've won a billion dollars. Or not, and no, no million dollar winners in New York either. What do I have on my fridge? Just a bunch of numbers. Anyway, here with you for another day. Lots to talk about today. Lots to talk about today. Get into the basketball games last night and yesterday afternoon. Women and men both officially one and zero. Jim Bayheim doesn't really want to talk about it, but he has eleven hundred career wins. That's a lot of wins. It's amazing. He got eleven hundred career wins today. Next Tuesday, he might get a thousand. Funny how that can happen in the silly world of the NC Double A. But we'll talk about uh, and exhibition games. What do exhibition games mean? Not nothing, but uh, both the men and the women look significantly better in their first real game than in their three combined pretend games. So that's a good sign. Uh, the way the season has started for them with wins yesterday in the Dome. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Coming up. At the bottom of the hour, Kelly Gramlich of the Gramlich and Matt podcast and of ACC Network Women's Basketball Coverage will join us. So uh, we'll get into the opening of the women's basketball season yesterday with Kelly. And uh, the ACC, all the ACC teams that played yesterday won, so the league is undefeated. That is good. Even the teams that uh, lose these kind of games won yesterday. So uh, everybody won yesterday. And uh, Kelly also covers the football, so we'll uh, see where the ACC is at. Can they make the playoff? Anybody? Bueller? Probably not. Probably not. Notre Dame's win over Clemson last week was likely the death knell, but who knows with college football. Um, There's a lot of scenarios and a lot of losses out there for other teams to take, and we shall see. 3 o'clock hour, we'll talk to Matthew Bergeron. Getting set for way exceedingly, more than likely, his final game of the Dome. He said as much uh, today in my chat with him. He is a senior, but, you know, never graduate these days. He's got his COVID year for next year. Will very likely not use it. So, uh, Matthew gearing up for Senior Day festivities in the Dome on Saturday, the game against Florida State. He's bringing half of Canada across the border. So, looking forward to our chat with Matthew at 3 o'clock, 3.30. We'll talk the most watched UCL in all of western New York, what is going on with Josh Allen's elbow? Heather Prusak, News 4 Buffalo, will join us at 3.30, see if there's any Josh Allen updates. So uh, that's what we got coming up uh, throughout the course of the show today, A little ACC football women's hoops, Q's football, and the Bills. But uh, we start with sad news that came down yesterday after the show was over, and that is the passing of former Syracuse athletic director Jake Kraut Hamill at the age of 84, yesterday, exceedingly ironically, I do add on a day where Paul Pasqualoni was fired by the what um, was fired by the Carolina Panthers. So uh, all that stuff uh, goes down yesterday, and obviously at the end of his career here, that. Jake retired, and then, as it played out in the weeks afterward, Nancy Cantor's in as the uh, chancellor. Daryl Gross is in as the AD. Then Coach P gets fired after the bowl game, and then Greg Robinson is in. It was a very eventful uh, month there in November and December of 2004, right when I had started here on the job after uh, graduating. A lot's happened right away. So never really actually got to spend any legit time with Jake. But over the years, have talked to many, many people that have. Let's still, uh, start with uh, Jim Boeheim, post-game press conference last night, and he talked uh, mostly basketball, but he opened with his thoughts on his uh, former boss in uh, Jay Krauthamel and uh, what he meant to the program, what he meant to the university, and how maybe not everybody quite knows exactly everything that Jake meant to Syracuse University Athletics.
2: I don't think people realize what a pivotal figure he has been in Syracuse athletic history. Making the change, coming into the Dome, making the, getting into the Big East Conference, that was his driving push. Other people like me weren't that in, interested in it, but he was and getting the dome done, getting a lot of the things done at Manly that needed to be done. You know, obviously bringing Dick McPherson in here. A lot of things uh, are kind of been overlooked that he's responsible for. And uh, I, I just don't think he's been well treated uh, by the media or anybody else really. You know, because he's, you know, he didn't want the spotlight and didn't talk much. So we missed the boat on him. He. Uh, was one of the great, really, leaders uh, of any place in what he did here, his vision, what he did, what he accomplished. And uh, I think that's been overlooked tremendously.
0: Uh, And Jake, historically, was a guy that had no interest in setting the public record straight as long as behind the scenes uh, what he wanted accomplished got done, or didn't, but as long as, you know, the work got done and it turned out however it turned out. He cared not for the credit. But you you look at a guy like he's he's not of the age where he fought in World War II, but he, he's cut out of that cloth. That in many ways it appears you know stodgy and very old school, averse to change, all of that. That was the external appearance of Crowd Hamill, and yet. When you look at his list of accomplishments or things that happened that he was either heavily or tangentially involved in. The building of the Carrier Dome. The birth of the Big East. The 1980s basketball powerhouse version. The birth of the Big East. The football version. Allowing the lacrosse program to flourish. Hiring of Dick McPherson. Getting out of Jim Boeheim's way. That's what uh, Jim Boeheim said uh, at one point in there. They say, hey, he didn't bother me. (laughs) And why would he need to? The Orange were winning at a high clip. Sometimes the best leadership is uh, knowing that you're not needed. And is getting out of the way. Now, maybe he was a man of the time of the 70s and the 80s and what he pushed into the 90s, and maybe it grew stale at the end. Who knows? I'm not sure that what he did then would work as well today. But he wasn't today. He was then, and it worked then. And the Orange won a lot of games and a lot of sports. He was a guy that, uh, for those that knew him, was fiercely loyal. Look at Coach Mack. Like, in the current football temperament, there's no way that Dick McPherson would have gotten in 10 years, which means he wouldn't have gotten his seventh year, which means 1987 would not have happened. You often hear stories told, Uh, from Coach Desco or Roy Simmons of how he supported the lacrosse program. And it wasn't over-the-top financial, you know, funding or anything, but he gave them what they needed when they needed it. He gave them the scholarships they needed when they needed it. And they won a lot of games. And they were allowed to do their work there's just not many like uh, like Jake anymore that's for sure good bad or otherwise uh, there's not and the idea of what Jim Beheim's talking about I don't know if he was specifically referring to this but I'm sure it's one of the items historically in the 80s Jake was painted as the guy that shut down Joe Paterno's idea and Mike Waters wrote a great article about this today we'll talk to Mike on the show on Thursday. Uh, But the story always was is that Joe Paterno came down and wanted to bestow a great Eastern football all-sport conference, obviously driven by football because it was Penn State, but all sports. This is give or take around the birth of the Big East. Syracuse, I mean, the general idea is Syracuse, Boston College, Pittsburgh, Penn State, Temple, Rutgers, maybe Maryland, in that mix, maybe a West Virginia. But, you know, Syracuse and Penn State and Pittsburgh and Boston College, that's kind of the shortlist beginning of what Joe Paterno had proposed at Penn State. Jake, on the other hand, was already down the road a bit with the Big East. And the Big East we knew in the 80s with the Georgetown's and the Villanova's and the St. John's and the Seton Halls. It was a different thing. It was a basketball-only league. Only BC in that group had football. And historically, just because Jake had no interest in correcting the record, it was always put out there from the Penn State perspective that Kraut Hamill was the one that shut it down. And that is just not true. Things were put to a vote. he, He wanted Penn State in the Big East back then, early 80s. And it was voted against by basketball schools. And again, many, many years later, obviously after three decades of fantastic success first, but many, many years later it was... The basketball schools being short-sighted in many ways, that was the death of that version of the Big East, of which, who knows what Kraut Hamill was thinking 30 years in the future, but he had the foresight to think that a a school like Penn State in that league could be useful. Then fast forward down the line, and the problem was why Penn State's version never existed is Penn State was trying to create a league and then keep all of Penn State's money. Joe Pott wasn't actually up for sharing. At Syracuse and Penn State, which had been playing home and home for football for decades and decades and decades at that point. Then we got to the end of the 80s and Penn State said, yeah, why don't you come here a lot and we'll come there every now and again. And Jake told them to go pound sand. But he was not one to ever publicly go out and take credit for. It. So I think now, and this is what Coach Beheim's is alluding to last night. Now, he has passed and he had Alzheimer's at the end and was not well, I don't think, for a while. But, you know, I think it's important now to tell, tell the uh, as much as we know, tell the full story of the guy. Now, the story is at the end. Clearly, maybe Coach P's time had passed. And Jake did not want to make that move. And that has been talked about now for 20-some-odd years and certainly was dissected at the time. But, there's a there's a fuller story to Jake Krauthamble's career than certainly that and you know without him does the Big East exist maybe maybe but without Syracuse as a driving member as at its inception is it the same thing I don't know I don't think so and if you look at where we are right now if Jake Krauthamel wasn't one of the ones, Helping get something, be it the Dome or otherwise, but Archbold Stadium was literally falling apart in the late 70s. Like, the building was falling down. It was 70-some-odd years old at that point and falling apart. And I don't mean metaphorically. Like, the concrete was actually falling apart. And Jake was the AD. And not only did he was one of the ones that got the dome built. Obviously, a lot goes into that. Chancellor Eggers and, you know, the governor and, you know, a lot of factors went into building the building. But that happened, and then the idea to play basketball in there. Jake was a football guy. He was a football coach at Dartmouth. He was a football player at Dartmouth, and he was a very good one. He liked football. He cared most passionately about football. But, he was certainly one of the ones that had the foresight to say, you know, let's play some basketball in this building. I think it's crazy enough to work. Jim Bam has said it a million times. He, he was against it at the beginning. Obviously, he's quite for it now. They had Manly Fieldhouse. They sold it out. They won all their games. Why why would you do something different? Why would you change what's working? Well, for a guy that gave off the appearance of, you know, stodgy and old school and the whole thing, there was a lot of, of foresight going back to the uh, late 70s and early 80s. Hey, I mean, they're still playing in the Dome today. I realize it's got a new roof and a new name. But who knows? Who knows where Syracuse Athletics would be if that building was not built back when it was put up there? Because it, it could have trended in the wrong direction off the map. But you combine that and the biggies and Jake Kraut Hamill's friendship with Dave Gavitt and all of this stuff he brought to the table back at a pivotal point in the history of the athletic program. Who knows where it could have gone otherwise. And uh, with that, we uh, we mourn the passing of Jake Hamill yesterday. And Again, you may have to mourn in a different way than he would, but uh, I, I'm sure he's got a cigarette going somewhere, a cup of coffee that may be a cup of coffee, or it might be a cup of gin. But either way, a salute. Uh, to Jake Krautham. Take a break now. Come back and talk about the basketball that happened yesterday inside the Dome. One of those starts for the women and the men. Bottom of the hour, Kelly Gramlich, ACC Network, and the Gramlich and McClain podcast. We'll talk women's soups and football. 3 o'clock, Matthew Bergeron. Orange left tackle getting ready for his likely final game in the Dome. 3.30, Heather Prusek. We're talking Bills. Off and running today on the 315. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7
1: and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins.
0: Here I am. We are back. Rolled along uh, throughout the show on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Had to start the show today. The Jay Krauthemel news happened yesterday after our show went off the air. But, you know, I, from the moment I saw that, you knew Jim Beheim would have something interesting to say about that in his post-game press conference. He always has something interesting to say about something. Uh, but we had to start with that. Uh, a pivotal figure in the history of the athletic department. And you just don't see people that are athletic directors for as long as he was. It was... What, 1978 until 2004? Like, 80s are hired and fired like football coaches are now. Ten years are five years, not 25 years. It's just not how it happens anymore. It's a different day and a different time. But we roll along. Let's get into the basketball games. Last night and yesterday afternoon, the women won, beat Stony Brook 79-56. Men beat Lehigh 92-72. Women have a a very soft uh, non-conference schedule. Stony Brook was a good team last year, won 23 games, returned two starters. They were okay at the beginning, actually had the lead at the end of the first quarter. Women pulled away, kind of just overpowered them. Inside, defense forced 22 turnovers. Tisha Hyman had six steals, picking off where she left off in that category. Orange have not shown ability to shoot yet from the outside in either their exhibition game for against LeMoyne or the game yesterday afternoon, 4 of 21 from 3. And De'Asia Fair, the transfer from Buffalo, well, the transfer, a transfer from Buffalo, at 18 points, but expensively on 7 of 21 shooting. We'll see where this team goes. Fair and Hyman are the engine of the team, the backcourt. Very soft non-conference schedule. Road games at Penn State, losing record last year in the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Purdue. The other home games, uh, coming up, uh, eminently winnable. So we'll see if that gets Felicia get Jack's, you know, start on the right track here. But uh, she is off to a 1-0 start. Then the men featured last night against Lehigh. And again, we, we watched two exhibition games and kind of came out of both of them going, eh, what, what are we looking at here? Well, last night they put up 90 pretty easily against Lehigh. You say, what is Lehigh? Lehigh is going to be okay. I think, this year. Great? No. Okay? Yeah. They're they're a a solidly okay team. How's that for a compliment? But we got the Jesse Edwards you'd like to see in a game like that. He goes 18-11 and and was just dunking everything in the first half and made his free throws. 8 out of 10 from the line. And if the Orange are going to feed the ball inside this year, Jesse's going to get a high volume of free throws. So good to see Him make them at a good clip this year. He had his moments last year at the line, but all told, finished south of 60%. JG3 did what he does, 19 points, 4-6 from the outside. And then what what stuck out to me last night were the other two guards. Two exhibition games, you watch Judah Mintz, and you said, hmm, what do we got here? This guy is the star? Last night, we got a much better glimpse of what Judah can be. He was getting to the basket. He was active. He was making plays on defense. He was moving on offense. Only three assists. Jim Beheim commented on that after the game. But I, th- I think we saw a little bit more of what he is or of what he could be. And then Samir Torrance isn't off the bench. Ten points, six boards, three assists. The great energy he always plays with. And... What we got to see in this game, and again, we'll see if this stays going forward, because all three guards, Gerard, Mince and Torrance, played in the twenties in minutes per game. Now, do Gerard's minutes increase to the level where this won't really be possible later in the year? I don't know. But when the two were on the court together, Judah and Saimir, you don't have the outside shooting threat that Gerard poses. Now, Saimir made his uh last night, but Gerard on the court does a different thing to the defense on the outside than those two do. But man, they played really well off each other. I, I liked what Mince brought at the two last night when it was Torrance and him together. Saimer played the one and Judah played the two. More often than not, we saw Judah making some cuts. He had this one nice little curl and into right into a jumper at the free throw line. That was good. He had another one where he caught on the move from Saimer and took it all the way to the basket and scored and then Saimir was able to run the offense off that, I, I think that's a good secondary look to have. You have all three of those guards, and you can play them in any combo you want. Mince Gerard, Torrance Gerard, and now Torrance Mince. And that allows you the ultimate flexibility in the backcourt if you can have that as an option as well. And I thought that's not something we really saw, at least in a, a way that stood out in the exhibition games. That's the main thing that popped to me last night. All right, those two, you can put them together. And you can have a little different thing. You can put pressure on the defense differently. Now, Gerard puts pressure on the defense from way outside. But when those two are together, they pressure the defense inside toward the basket. So you got options. And options after game one is a good thing to have. So both the women and the men are 1-0. All right, we'll hit a break. We'll talk a little women's basketball and the national and ACC perspective with Kelly Gramlich when we come back and hit ACC football. Yes, she talks that every day of the week on the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We'll do that when we come back. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
2: Can we review our status here, sir? Let's look at this thing from a, uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon?
1: Lisa, if you don't like your
0: job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This
1: is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home. Here's what's happened so far.
0: All right, here's what we've gotten into today, the day after Jake kraut passing at the age of 84. A salute to the behind-the-scenes work of the former Orange Athletic director. with the Dome, would the Big East have happened or been the same without his influence? We discussed that earlier. We'll discuss again later this week with Mike Waters on Thursday. He wrote about it on Syracuse.com earlier today. We talked to Kelly Gramlich of ACC Network and the Gramlich and McLean podcast about ACC women's basketball, undefeated thus far through one day of the season. And ACC football, likely eliminated, unfortunately, from national title consideration with Clemson's loss to Notre Dame over the weekend. And we recapped uh, the picks of Mario and the man who sort of knows from last Friday. The less said about that, the better. But we arrive at our number two here, and it is a football game week. As it will be this week, next week, and the week after. And one more for the bowl game. And as we do in every football game week, we we can talk to some of the players. We'll run a two-minute drill with one Jihad Carter tomorrow. That will last two minutes. Today, we spent more than two minutes talking with one Matthew Bergeron. He the starting left tackle, formerly the starting right tackle. It was three years and a, a couple weeks ago he made his first career start against two. Well, it was Florida State down in Tallahassee. The team will be playing in what will very likely be his final home game coming up this Saturday. Talked to Matthew earlier this morning, and the conversation began on that game three years ago and his memories of it as he gets set to suit up in the Dome for the final time.
1: Ah, I remember being really nervous, you know, I couldn't eat before the game, and uh, it was at Florida State, too, so it's, it's it's kind of fun that my last home game was against Florida State, but man, I, I remember just, you know, being young and just trying not to mess up, that was my goal for that game, just not messing up, and now, you know, I, I've grown so much, you know, off the field and on the field, so it's, it's pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how fast time flies, right, and uh,
1: here they are again, you said you couldn't eat, you're a big dude, you must have been kind of hungry during that game, right? Oh <laughs> ah, man, I was, I, was, I was starving after the game, you know, I couldn't feel much much before the game but after the game I was starving I was thirsty so I was just really focused on on doing my job that day. Especially down at FSU I imagine you lost a little water weight in that one. (laughs) Most definitely it was hot and then that stadium was rocking too so yeah. All right, so take
0: me back to last week. Now, now it's full circle. You're the veteran now, Enrique mm-hmm. Cruz makes his first uh, right. career start. How, how did
1: you kind of mentor him in that role last week? Uh, that, that's what I told him. I said the same thing. Don't overthink it. Just you know, play tough. Uh, remember your assignment. That's really what you, you got to think about. You don't want to think about that extra stuff, like all that technique. I feel like when you're a veteran, you can't think about all that extra stuff. But when you're a young guy, you know, in your first start, you got to think about your assignment and play tough and longer. That's that's really what you got to think about. And I think he did a pretty good job with that. Uh, of course, you know, there's a few issues that he had. that that he got to fix this week, but I think he's, he's a motivated dude, and yeah, man, he got a great career ahead of him. Yeah, how hard is it to you know, deal with that mentally, your first career? Because, hey, you're, you're going to make some mistakes, right? right. And, uh, how, how do you get through that in game one? Mm-hmm. I mean, most definitely, that's what I told him before the game. I said, you got to make peace with yourself that mistakes are going to happen. You know, at every level, you know, guys make mistakes. You know, top, top tackles in the NFL are going to make mistakes, and you got to live, you know, live up to that, and you know, fixing the issues from the past week is something really big in, in your growth. All right, Matthew Bergeron, with us, and you said that This could be your last game in mm-hmm. the dome this week. It's the last uh, dome game of the season. H- how do you approach the idea of that? Uh, I mean, I mean, I just, I just want to go out the right way. Uh, just you know, g- 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 giving a, a win to the team, get back to that win column. Mm-hmm. That, that's my, that's my goal for this week. And of course, after the game, it might be a little emotional, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna deal with that after the game. <laughs> uh, you do have a year left if you want it, but have you made that decision yet? Uh, I mean, right now, I'm, you know, I'm working towards, you know, it to be my, my, my last year. But you know, you never know, and I'm, I'm glad that I have that. extra. Year, if anything's happened, knock on wood, but yeah, let's say this is your fourth year, that's enough, usually, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I'm I'm getting old now,
0: my my back started hurting, so yeah, (laughs) yeah. You got the COVID year if you wanted, but here you are. So, senior day, lots that goes into that. You said after the game, the senior walk is kind of a cool thing to you know put in. I think it was Dungey's last year so back in in 2018 you've kind of seen that mm-hmm. what, what,
1: what's that like and how, how different is it when it's after the game it's not the emotion of before the game but it's kind of after it's all happened I mean it's pretty cool cuz you know you don't, you don't get all emotional before the game you can you can you can play the game you know mm-hmm. you know motivated all that play the game and then after the game now you can feel those emotions and really take the time to talk to the fans mm-hmm. you know talk about certain memories that that you know we both share and it's it's going to be a pretty cool experience All right more importantly how's your mom going to handle this week Ah uh, Man, I, I don't, <laughs> she's going to be she's gonna be worse, man. She's going to be crying all over the place. It's all good, though. I love her, and she she's really proud of me. So I know it's it's, it's all passion. And my, my whole family's coming down from Canada, my friends. So it's going to be a, a really good weekend.
0: And this is nice, too, because, right, if it happened last year or the year before, this right. they wouldn't have been able to happen. So, they, you know, the border, you can finally get back and forth. How, how important is that to you as a Canada guy getting your last game?
1: Oh, it's, it's really important. You know, the the last two years, you know, 2020 and 2021, were pretty tough, you know, for me and my family, you know, because they, they love coming to Syracuse and they they couldn't come in 2020 and 2021. And it was pretty rough for me, but, you know, gratefully we got technology and stuff. You know, we stayed in touch on FaceTime. But just having them next to me, you know, in my last home game is pretty important, and I'm just glad they made the trip, and it's going to be a pretty fun weekend. All right, let's go back
0: to the idea of growing up in Quebec, and we've talked about this before, and becoming a football player. not Not a hockey player, Mm -hmm, football. How did that happen?
1: Well, you know, I started with hockey, like anybody in Quebec. You know, you start playing hockey, and, you know, obviously hockey is a pretty expensive sport, you know, all those equipments and stuff. And when you person like me who just keeps growing and keeps getting bigger and bigger it was getting too expensive so my mom trying I, I did a bunch of other uh, of, of uh, other sports and then my mom just just say hey try football and then I tried football at first I didn't like it because who you know who likes playing offensive lineman when you're like 12 years old you just want to score a touchdown make tackles and you know throughout the years I learned to you know embrace it and retake pride in my job and you know I, I haven't stopped ever since. All right, when's the last time you've been on skates? Uh, I, I say before I came here so I say it was 2017. Last time I, I was on a skate, I, I wouldn't go now. I wouldn't take the risk. <laughs> I think I lost it.
0: <laughs> I'd say we got to get some pretty big skates right, for you right. too. What, what, what
1: position did you play when you played hockey? Uh, I was I was really young. I was probably like nine to ten. But I okay. played on the defense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you can do the you can skate backwards, right? Mm-hmm. I could I could. Back in the day, I think I lost it. Right now, <laughs> but but when I retire, I'm, I'm I'm gonna get back on skating. All right. Do you watch hockey? Or are you a hockey fan? Montreal y'all Canadians, of course, I'm a hockey fan. Yes, sir. All right. That was the next question, but that that was like a no brainer, obvious answer. Oh, no brainer, and hopefully I'm, I'm I'm gonna be able to make it up for uh, for a game in the spring. It's just that it's that energy, the hockey energy is like football in Texas. You know, everybody just feed off hockey, and it's pretty cool. All right, that's a pretty good comparison, Texas football, Canada hockey. Uh, Matthew Bergeron is our our guest.
0: Is uh, you know here we are. You're six and three, which is great. At the same time, you won 6th and lost three. How, how do you look at both halves of that? Where The number's fine, but I guess how you got here is maybe not quite what you like.
1: Most definitely. I mean, the team had to deal with a lot of injuries. You know, we got a lot of key players that were out this week. And, uh, listen, we we did a good job throughout the whole game and not giving up, you know, we, we... we we went through it all the whole four quarters. You know I'm proud of all the guys. You know that worked Carlos. You know the quarterback uh, Enrique Cruz got in there and everybody was just working. Everybody was cheering them. And I think you know we, we we're gonna get some guys back this week that that are, are gonna help us. And we just gotta stay motivated. You know when, when's the last time Cruz was six and three? So we got mm-hmm. we gotta stay on the positive uh, positive standpoint of the of the issue here and just just keep working.
0: How important is it to keep that attitude? Because mm-hmm. that that can be hard, right? right? When you've lost three in a row.
1: Yeah, it can be hard. It can be hard. But just having leaders like Michael and you know, even Garrett Williams out right now, but he's still on the sideline, cheering the guys up. And just having those guys always bringing that positive energy, they're just doing a great job. So, yeah. And I guess we got to toss you
0: in that pile. You're yeah. <laughs> a captain.
1: I mean, how do you think your energy is kind of helping out the team right now? Uh, you know, just keeping the guys up, you know, especially on offense, just keeping everybody's heads up and, you know, just reminding them that, look, we're 6 and 3. We're in a great position to, you know, uh, accomplish something great this season. So let's just not be too hard on ourselves, correct the mistakes we had last week, and just keep working. Matthew Bertrand, our guest star. Right, tell me about blocking for Sean Tucker. What's it like to lead the way for that guy? Ah, man, it's, it's 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 something crazy. You know, Sean is a great athlete. You know, great running back, but also he's a great teammate. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm really happy blocking for Sean because off the field he's one of one of my friends. So it's it's just great. Is there frustration here the last few weeks that you're not getting the yards you'd like for him? Mm-hmm. Uh, most definitely. Uh, you know, I'm pretty hard on the, on the guys. Like, we got to run the ball, and every week we go in that mindset that we're going to run the ball. And when, when when you come back Sunday, watch the film, realize that, you know, we missed some opportunities for Sean to get some big ones, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. But, you know, like I said, we got to stay motivated and, you know, keep chasing, keep grinding, and it's, it's going to come, it's going to come. You mentioned last week, obviously, Carlos
0: Del Rio Wilson got his first career start, so it's now, you know, a game and a half that he's played a quarterback consecutive
1: what what is the difference for you guys on the line when he's back there versus when Garrett's back there? Well, well, Carlos is he's a little younger, so it's in the pocket he's he's a little different. Mm-hmm. But you know, for us, our blocking scheme is the same. And you when when Carlos is in there, you just got you just got to hold the block a little longer because mm-hmm. because you know it takes time for him to make the reason stuff. But he, he's got better, you know, throughout the game and even throughout the week. So so he's doing a pretty good job. And hopefully, we'll get Garrett back, you know, in, in the next few weeks and just keep keep working from there. How tough is it for a guy like Carlos? I mean, you know, he shows
0: up. Over over the summer, now, right. now he's tossed right into the right. deep end.
1: Right, you, you, you're tossing in, 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 in the right middle of the game, and then you got to beat Notre Dame, so it's pretty tough for him. But he's done a pretty good job of just staying positive and keeping, you know, guys together and just cheering, supporting guys. So I'm I'm really proud of him. I think he's he got a great career ahead of him.
0: Yeah, it's not like he landed in the Wagner game. He right. landed in Notre Dame, <laughs> and, and then Pittsburgh, and here's Florida State mm-hmm. this week. They're, they're playing as well as anyone in the league right now. Mm-hmm. What have you noticed when you're
1: watching them? Oh, I've noticed their defense. Their defensive line is, you know, really experienced, and they got they got some dogs up front, you know, really talented group, and I feel like every week, man, for the past five weeks we just play some talented front, and you know, Florida State's one of them, one of the top fronts in the ACC, so he's going to be a pretty tough challenge. Go figure, one of the guys you got to block today, you blocked last year when he played for Albany, right, which right, is not right. normal. What, what have you seen when uh, Jared Vers is out there rushing the passer? Ah, oh, man, he, he's, a, he's a great pass rusher, you know, his stats you know, they can't they can talk for himself, but he's, he's, he's a great athlete, you know, he can play the run well too, so uh, he's going to be one of my hardest, you know, challenge all year. All right, Matthew, enjoy what uh, looks to be your last game in the Dome.
0: That is Matthew Bergeron. Good to chat with him, as always, uh, this morning as he closes on the conclusion of his Orange uh, career. It's so interesting now, uh, the people that played the last four years, you get that extra COVID year. Well, Matthew's been starting for three and a half years now. He's played for four years, didn't have a redshirt year. He has another year if he wants it, but at the same time, you know, College, in theory, is a four-year experience, so you just pick up and move on. But there's uh, so many, you have no idea. College careers now are going anywhere from four to seven years. Who knows how long anyone's hanging around these days. But I'd say uh, highly likely that uh, Matthew will be playing his final Dome game uh, this weekend. And uh, reasonably likely, we'll hear his name called at some point during the National Football League draft. Upcoming this spring, I know scouts have been uh, quite intrigued about the large, nimble man from north of the border. All right, let's take a break now. When we come back, the four one one in the three one five. Producer Matt in to join us after this. Heather Prusek to talk bills coming up at three thirty. What do we know about Josh Allen's ligaments? We need to know. We need to know now. We'll ask Heather at three thirty. Back after this is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.